Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's really cool to give away prizes. I, I enjoy that, giving those things away. Um, and I, I wonder what it'd be like to be, uh, have the job of giving away the big prizes. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like Publishers Clearinghouse, right? What do they do? They give away $10 million. Now, would it be cool to give that away? How many would rather win it? <laughs> right, we would much rather win it. Uh, giveaways, we enjoy giveaways. I, I enjoyed our giveaway here today and uh, wish we could uh, do more of that kind of thing. Um, but really, we do this giveaway today to help us focus on some important issues. And when we think about giveaways, though, think about Oprah. Have you ever seen any of the giveaways she does? You know, she has that show once in a while where she gives stuff away. One of her earliest giveaways, uh, she told everybody in the audience that she was giving them a meal at Burger King, a Burger King meal. So that didn't sound bad, but it wasn't just for that audience. It was for everybody who was watching as well. And so I don't know how many people went and got a free meal. How many of you missed that giveaway? <laughs> Me too, you know. Uh, but she gave that away. Uh, she has given away so many things. Uh, she has uh, given away trips. Um, in fact, she, the whole audience, she took to Philadelphia with her to do one of her shows. She chose an audience that did that. And she had another one, an audience that won a prize. She took them all to Disney World. Okay, pretty big deal, right? And then she had um, another one um, where she gave people, everybody in the audience, to start off with $2,000 diamond watch. Okay? And then she gave everyone in the audience a Nikon camera. And she said, oh, by the way, we're all going on a seven-day cruise. Some pretty big giveaways, huh? Uh, and, and yet another time when, uh, I forget what it was, there were 300 people she did something big for, and I, I can't remember. Uh, but one of the things that stands out to me uh, the most in her giving was when she had the audience there and uh, she said, she gave everybody a box. And she said, uh, if you open your box, in just a minute, if you open your box and there's a car key in it, you win that car. Well, that's pretty cool. Everybody was excited, wanted to see it in the box. So she said, go ahead and open the box. And everybody's excitement went through the roof when they realized that everybody had a key. Everybody. They all got new cars. Uh, I, we, don't, we can't do that here today. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't do one. Um, but that cost her about $8 million. Right? So big, big giveaways. Um, and so, what I want to talk to you about today is, uh, I mean, I give away here today what we gave away. It isn't even in the same ballpark as what Oprah <laughs> gave away, right? But I would say to you that Oprah's giveaway isn't even in the same ballpark as what God has given us. And that's what I want to talk to you about here today. The greatest giveaway ever. What God 
has given to us and made available to us. And so what we're gonna do today is we are gonna look in the Gospel of John and, and see where God begins to talk about what he is giving us. And we encourage you to follow along with us in a Bible. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's fine. There should be one underneath the chairs in front of you there. Uh, and we'd encourage you to follow along. We're gonna be on page 1,222. Page 1,222, and I really do encourage you to follow along. And by the way, if you're here and you regularly attend here and you have your own Bible, and uh, somebody's sitting next to you and they can't reach it, would you make sure that, that you give that to them so they can look that up as well? Page 1,222, John chapter three. A very, very well-known story as far as Bible stories go. And so let's start reading right in chapter, chapter three, verse number one. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So uh, this man named Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. That meant that he took everything that God said in the Bible, in the Old Testament, which is what they had, very, very seriously. The Pharisees were the kind of group that uh, not only did they try to follow all the rules, they made up rules about how to follow all the rules. Okay, they were very, very serious about this. And he was a ruler of the Jews. That means he sat on the council that was called the Sanhedrin, who made decisions for the Jewish people in Israel there. All right, verse two. This man came to Jesus by night. Now, why do you suppose he did that? Well, Jesus wasn't real popular with the religious leaders of his day because of the way he talked about them and the way he explained how to have a relationship with God, which kind of exposed a lot of them for, for not really being who they held themselves up to be. And so, but Nicodemus is seeing something in Jesus that's really intriguing him, and there's something there, but he can't just go visit him in the light of day, because then everybody else will know. So he waits till it's dark, and he comes to Jesus to have this conversation. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which is the way they referred to their teachers, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The signs, he's talking about miracles, miracles that he was doing. And so Nicodemus rightly saying, you know what, nobody could do that unless God was doing something. And so Nicodemus is gonna to try to figure this out. But once you see, Jesus' answer to him is kind of abrupt, very much to the point, verse three. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, that wasn't the question he had asked, was it? That wasn't the question Nicodemus asked. But Jesus knew that that was the real issue. That was the most important issue. Nicodemus is trying to figure out what's up, how's Jesus related to God. Jesus just comes out and says very clear, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God, the idea here is, is we would consider that to be heaven, we would consider that to be a personal relationship with Christ and everything that goes along with that. And he says that the requirement for having a personal relationship with Christ, the requirement for making it to heaven is being born again. Now, I don't know what that term brings up in your mind. 
Okay? I've heard born again used as a, a spiritual term and the way the Bible uses it, and I've heard born again used almost as a cuss word. Okay? Have you ever heard that? Oh, that guy, he's one of them born agains. Right? And so it may conjure all sorts of things in your mind, but let's see if we can just put that to rest a little bit. It's nothing weird. It's nothing strange. Sometimes people just don't always act right. And so they might be born again. If they don't act right, you're going to think, oh, that's what born again is. No. Born again is where a person, actually, we'll talk more about this in a minute, but we are born spirit, or physically, right? December 12th, 1955, for me, I was born physically, okay? When he talks about being born again, he's talking about a spiritual birth. And for me, that happened on April the 4th, 1975. I very clearly remember it. So being born again is a spiritual birth that takes place. And he says, if you aren't born again, you're not going to see heaven. You're not going to be uh, part of God's family. Okay, you have to be born again. It's not a weird thing. We're going to talk more about it here. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And I just want you to know, Nicodemus, that was spoken with a little bit of sarcasm. I mean, he knew you can't go back and be born uh, again from your mother's womb, but he's trying to get his head around it, and he can't figure this out. What are you talking about, being born again? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus contrasts two births here. And when he says in verse 5, unless one is born of water and the spirit, let's talk about water, what he means. He is not talking about baptism there. That is not what that is about. Um, I remember the, the birth of my second child, uh, my daughter, Jessica. And we had just been in Worcester about four months, four or five months we lived here when she was born. And we lived right downtown, the corner of Chatham and Irving in Worcester. And the person who was going to take care of our firstborn child when our second one was born lived over on Sunderland Drive, which is clear the other side of Route 20, almost to Shrewsbury. All right? And so uh, Glenda wakes me up about 6.30 in the morning and says, I'm having this baby. <laughs> okay? And this one was going much faster than the first one. And so we got in the car downtown and we drove across downtown Worcester and we drove up Vernon Hill where uh, you know, the hospital used to be up there, St. Vincent's, up over the hill all the way to the other side, dropped off Joshua and then headed back up over the hill. And while we are coming back up over the hill, now it's uh, almost 8 o'clock in the morning on uh, the hill there, the St. V's. We think the traffic is. Okay? As we're coming up the other side, Glenda's water breaks. Okay? I'm worried. <laughs> I do not want to be delivering this baby in the traffic. So, so I did what any self-respecting man would do. I drove right down the center lane, over the, the line, wheels on each side of the lane with traffic in both directions, and, and got down and made it to the hospital and, and pulled in right there by the emergency entrance, and, and the guy, the guard, hey, you can't park there. I said, I know. And I just went in, <laughs> took her in. 
ran out, parked the car, ran back in, and they're back there putting a the gown on me, and then I'm looking through the window, and, and I get in there, and boom, Jessica's born. I made it. I wasn't much help along the way. But the, uh, um, the point is, is that when I knew it was time for this baby to be born, what? Her water broke. And when the water breaks, usually everything escalates, right? Now we're moving. But so when Jesus is talking about being born of the water and the spirit, he's talking about a physical birth because the baby is in a, a, an amniotic sac, a fluid, right? Water. They talk about water breaking. So he said, unless you're born of the water, a physical birth and a spiritual birth, you can't see heaven. Next verse, he clarifies that. He says, flesh, right? Born of the flesh is flesh. Born of the spirit is spirit. So there's two kinds of birth. We are born physically, and then we need to be born spiritually. Okay? So this is what he is telling Nicodemus here. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so this, this spiritual birth, it's not something you see directly with your eyes. It's, it's like the wind. You don't see the wind, do you? You see the results of the wind? Same thing, when we are born spiritually, it's not something you can see, but you can see the results of it in a person's life. Okay, Nicodemus, this is all new to him still. Verse 9 says, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? This was all brand new to Nicodemus. Might be brand new to you here today as well. Well, Jesus continues talking, but let's jump down to verse number 16 and read some more here. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, so before somebody believes in Jesus the way the Bible's talking about here, they are on the way to what? Perishing, he says. And this is why Jesus came, that he, God loved the world so much he sent Jesus so that people don't have to perish. He's talking about a spiritual, um, spiritual condemnation. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned. And what's the next word? Already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. All right, so here's the deal. By nature, we are spiritually dead from birth, and we act out on that, and we do our own thing, and we live our own way, and we don't live God's way. We want our way. And, and as a result, we find ourselves separated from God and condemned. But thankfully, in verse 16, God loved us enough, he provides us, a way out. And he says, whoever believes. Okay? And so that is how we are born again. We've been born physically, and then when we come to that point where we make that personal decision to, to receive Christ as Savior, we are born again spiritually. And we come alive spiritually deep down inside. All right, so what I want to do is, is talk here with you about uh, some things that are raised in our story here. And, and the first one is this. 
that we are incapable of making it to heaven on our own. On our own. We are incapable of it. Now, let me use as an illustration for you here, cancer. Okay, think about cancer and what it does. Cancer, is what happens is when something that was, should be good, a good cell, something happens and it goes wrong. And it goes wrong, and when it goes wrong, it begins to multiply, right? And grows and grows and grows. And it is a very, very serious thing. And if that cancer is ignored, even the ones that can be treated, if it's ignored, it'll eventually get you. Uh, consider what uh, this uh, surgical oncologist says here. He says, cancer doesn't give up. It's like the Terminator. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And if it is not treated, it absolutely will not stop ever until the patient is dead. And it rarely will be a pretty end. That is what physical cancer is like. Well, sin is like a cancer for us. And we've all sinned. We all know we've, we've, we've failed to measure up to, to what God's standards are. And so because of that, we are spiritually dead. We are incapable of making it to heaven. We have a spiritual cancer, okay, a spiritual cancer. The scripture says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So when we learn that, oh wow, I, I see that I, I am in trouble with God, I have sinned against the holy God, so I, I need to do some good stuff here. I need to try to balance these scales. And so we begin working on trying to do that. But what's the scripture say? You can't do it. Keeping the laws of God, it's not gonna be. You know why? It's too late. Jesus said, be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. Now I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands on this, but how many have blown that one? Anybody in here perfect today? If you say that you are, you just proved you're not, right? You just lied to us. We've all failed. We've all failed to measure up to God's standards of perfection. Um, let me see here, just a moment. So Jesus summarized the law at one point, the law of God, and he gave two commandments on it. And one is he said that, um, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. In other words, you are to love God more than anything else with your whole being. Love him that way. But you know what? Every one of us have failed, haven't we? I mean, I would say to you that I love God today, but man, have I blown it more often than not. And I haven't always shown him my love for him in the ways that I, he, I'm supposed to. He should come first in everything. And yet I haven't always made him first in everything. And then he says there's a second commandment. Jesus said the second commandment is very much like the first. And this one is love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people as much as you love you. Now I would assert to you that I, I, I don't always do that. I haven't always done that. Have you? Have you always loved other people every bit as much as yourself? No, we don't, right? We, we tend to put number one first, don't we? when push comes to shove often. And so we have failed, we have, we have not met God's standards. Uh, when you think about, um, uh, 
I got to thinking about this and, and how many times I might have sinned in my life. Now, that's a scary thought. Now, listen. Okay, here we are. I was real generous with myself. And I said, I've probably only sinned about three times a day. You know I mean? A bad thought, right? A bad attitude or do something you know you shouldn't or don't do something you really know you should. Okay, I, th- I think three times a day I'm being pretty generous with myself. And by the time I was six years old, I was old enough to understand the difference between right and wrong, okay? That means that I have, at three times a day, I have sinned over 60,000 times in my lifetime. And I think I'm being pretty generous because I think there were times when I sinned three times in a minute. <laughs> right? And, and so when we start thinking about this, how many times we have sinned? And so n- none of us are going to make it because we have lived right just not going to happen. We've all proven that. And, and this is why the Bible says, for everyone has sinned. Uh, in in uh, Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short. None of us makes it. You might imagine it like this. Think about if <laughs> the requirement for us to, to continue to live was you have to swim from Boston to England. Okay, that's over 3,000 miles, all right? So let's say we're all going, like Oprah took everybody on a trip, I'm taking us all on a trip. We're all going to the beach and we're all swimming to England, okay? Now, there are gonna be some of us say, I don't know how to swim or I'm just gonna sit on the beach, I give up, right? Some of us are gonna venture into the water and go, ooh, that's way too cold, not going. Some of us are going to jump in and swim and maybe make it to the surf. Some of us might drown in the surf. And some of us are going to go farther. And then there will be a few who are like these long-distance swimmers, make it 100 miles. Maybe if they're, you know, just iron, they might make it 200 miles. But here's the point. Nobody makes it all the way. And that's the way our relationship is with God. We have all sinned and fallen short. None of us have measured up to that, okay? So, we continue to say we are incapable of making it to heaven on our own. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because we have sinned, we end up dying. It's true for everybody, okay? Sin entered the world with Adam and Eve, and now we die, we all sin. After we uh, die, that's not the end. Each person is destined to die once, the scripture says, and after that comes judgment. So we live this life, we die, and after this life, we face judgment. Now, if we haven't somehow or other found a solution to this problem, here's where we end up. Book of Revelation, it says, I saw the dead standing before God's throne, and the books were open. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. All were judged according to their deeds, and then were thrown into the lake of fire, what we commonly call hell. Now, I don't like to talk about hell. I just soon not. The problem is, is God does. In his word, he talks to us about it. And it says this, that if you and I stand before God in judgment on the basis of how we live, the problem is it's gonna, be, it's gonna show we've sinned, we've sinned, we've sinned, we've done our own thing, we've done our own thing, we haven't done what God said, we haven't done, right? And it will be shown without a doubt that we have sinned against the Holy God. We will be found guilty, and the penalty for our guilt is an eternity of condemnation in a place called hell. Like I said, I don't like that, but I gotta tell you the truth. You need to know that. 
And so this is what our lives, how we live, have earned it. Now you might say, well, I'm not as bad as other people. That's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, but just like we said, when we're going to have to swim to England, some people don't even try. Some people make it a little way. Some people make it a long ways. But nobody makes it all the way, right? And so it is with us. We might be better than a lot of people, but none of us are good enough, okay? Because you've got to be perfect like Jesus to make it to heaven. All right, so we are in trouble by nature, spiritually. And that brings us to the second truth that, th that this reveals here, and that's that God has provided a way for us to make it to heaven. He's provided a way for us to do it, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever, what, believes in him should not perish. And so God in Jesus has provided a way for us to have our sins forgiven and not be held against us when this life is over. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 talks about in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He redeems us uh, from our sin. He buys us back. It says, for the wages of sin is death. We already saw that verse. But the what? What's it say? The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord very important, okay? It's a gift that God wants to give us. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 says, and this is what God has testified. He has, what's the next word? Given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, this eternal life, and whoever does not have God's Son does not have life, does not have that eternal life. Now, I would say to you, that this is the greatest giveaway ever, eternal life. Because of what our approach to life, the fact that we all sin, none of us is perfect, and it doesn't matter if we, how we compare to anybody else, it only matters how we compare to God and his standards, we've all failed, and yet God has given us a savior. And he's given us a savior who gives us eternal life, all right? Now, think about this, very clear. If, if a person has the Son of God, according to the scripture, he what? He has eternal life. And if you do not have the Son of God in your life, you do not have eternal life. All right? That's the, the clearest thing. And so, so what uh, Jesus has done, when God sent his Son into the world, he sent Jesus into the world, Jesus came into the world and he lived this perfect, sinless life that you and I haven't lived. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then when he went to the cross, as he hung there, the Bible tells us that God took all of my sins, which are many. We've already documented that, right? By the way, you know, I hope you don't go away from here today and say, I went to a strange church on Sunday. The pastor said he'd sinned over 60,000 times. We all have, right? And Jesus hung on the cross there, and he, he hung on the cross. The Bible says that God took the penalty for all of my sins, which are many, and all of your sins, and the sins of the whole world. And since he had no sins of his own to die, he dies there paying the penalty in full for my sin and for your sin. Rose again three days later from the dead, and God affirming that he had accepted that payment for our sins. And so the line is this. Jesus has paid the penalty, 
but we must receive him as savior. We must accept this gift from God in order to experience that forgiveness. And if we accept that, if we receive Jesus as Savior, we have life, we have eternal life. And if we don't receive Jesus as Savior, we don't have eternal life. But what an amazing thing that God has given to us, isn't it? Think about that. What we deserve is eternal separation from him, condemned, instead he has provided a way, he has made the payment for us to be forgiven for us to be what the Bible, the terminology the Bible uses, for us to be saved from the penalty of our sins. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, thank God for his gift that's too wonderful for words. How do we put into words what God has done for us, all right? So we've seen that, you know, that we uh, aren't on our way to heaven on our own. We don't deserve to go to heaven. Secondly, that God has provided a way for us. And here's the third truth that we see in here, this idea of us choosing to believe, us choosing to respond. We must choose to accept God's gift in order to make it to heaven. He's provided a gift, but we must choose to accept it. Nobody's gonna make us do that. Uh, the Gospel of John, these words, it says this, it says, but to all who believed him, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. <clears throat> they are reborn. What did, we, what did Jesus say earlier? Born again. They are reborn, not with a physical a birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. A new birth, a new life, when we believe and accept him. Believing and accepting him. Now, what does it mean to believe? Um, we can say we believe lots of things, can't we? We believe this, we believe that, but what does the Bible mean when it says believe? This word that's translated believe, uh, it's also oftentimes it's the same word as we have faith, have faith in, believe in, okay? This word believe has two major ideas that are joined together in it. One is knowing something. It's about knowing something, okay? Knowing that, that God is real. Knowing that I have sinned against him. Knowing that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. Knowing that I can receive him as my savior. Knowing these things. But knowing these things is not sufficient. It's like this. If I would say, this chair, I know that chair will hold me up. It will absolutely hold me up. And you say, well, then go sit in it. And I go, no, I don't know. I don't think I want to sit in it. Do I really believe it will hold me? No, I say I know. I have the information. But that this brings us to the other aspect of what believe means. And that's not only do I know that it will hold me, is I personally trust it to do so. Okay? I've made a decision to trust it. And so we know all these truths about... God being holy, us being sinful, Jesus dying for us, rising again, and, and we know that. We have to then make a decision where we personally trust it. And that's what the Bible means when it talks about believing. Trust it for ourselves. Trust it perfectly. Now, um, he says, believe him and accept him. What is this accepting about? Well, the accepting part is this conscious acknowledging Okay, what I believe, and then saying, okay, God, I need a Savior. God, I am receiving Jesus as my Savior. I'm accepting 
His payment for the penalty for my sins. And this is where we are consciously acknowledging. It's like making a decision on the basis of what we believe. Now, I want to show you a short video, and it's animated, and it's a, a, a little, uh, it's sort of funny looking, but what it's going to do is going to illustrate a very powerful truth to you about what needs to happen for us to get from where we are to where we need to be when it comes to knowing Christ as Savior, receiving Christ as Savior, okay? It's a story about a man named Blondin. Blondin, in the late 1800s, was a daredevil tightrope walker. And one of the things he was most known for was walking back and forth across the Niagara River at Niagara Falls, okay? And so that is what uh, this video shows. It's true stories, what we're going to watch here. So go ahead and show that. Is knowing, believing. Okay, here's the truth. We know that we've sinned against a holy God, and we know that he's provided a way for us to be forgiven and, and have eternal life. We know that. Choosing to, okay, I'm going to trust that for me, and then this idea of accepting is getting in God's wheelbarrow. See, that's what we're talking about. It's not just knowing stuff. It's knowing enough to say, I'm going to get in God's wheelbarrow and trust him to take care of the, all of my sins, to give me forgiveness, and to give me eternal life. And we do that by receiving Christ as Savior. Uh, that the time when we are born again spiritually. So just to review, we are incapable of making it to heaven on our own. We can't. God has provided a way for us to make it heaven. That's, that's Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And then third, we must choose to accept God's gift in order to make it to heaven. We have to accept it for ourselves. Nobody else can do that for us. No one else can do that for us. So what I want to do this morning is give you an opportunity to make that decision to receive Christ as Savior. You may have known about him your whole life. You may have... Uh, gone to church your whole life, tried to do good things, but really the problem is the fact that we've all sinned against the holy God, and God has provided a way for us to be forgiven in Jesus, but we must believe it and accept it for ourselves. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. And how I'm going to do that is in, in a little bit I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If, if you're here today and say, wow, you know, I've I've never really settled that issue. I've never really made that once and for all decision to receive Christ as Savior and, and have my sins forgiven and receive eternal life. I've never done that for sure. And, and you want to. I'm going to ask you to pray along with me in just a minute. I'm going to pray a prayer, and it, the, the words aren't magic, and you don't have to say the exact same words, but I'm going to pray a prayer that's sort of like what you would want to say to God to receive Jesus as Savior. And I'm encouraging you to pray along with me. You pray along silently. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what's in your heart. And so you pray along with me silently, okay? And then after that, I'm going to ask you, with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to respond. If you did pray with me, I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and look up at me. Nobody else looking around, just those of you who, who pray to receive Christ as Savior. And because and, I want to pray for you. And so that'll be my key to know who it is I'm praying for, all right? Okay, so if you're here today and you want to settle this issue once and for all, have your sins forgiven, all of them. Have heaven to be your destiny. 
when life is over, for sure, and have God himself come in to your life and begin working, then you got to get in God's wheelbarrow. So let's all bow our heads now, close our eyes. Nobody looking around, please. Let's be courteous to everyone around us here. If you're here and you say, yeah, I do want to settle this once and for all. I want to, uh, to receive Christ as Savior. Then right now, silently in your heart and mind, pray to God something like this. Say to God, God, I know that I have sinned. I know that I've done things I shouldn't do. I know that I haven't done things that I should do. I know that my sins have separated me from you. And if I die like this, I'll go to hell. And I don't want to do that. God, I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. So right now, I accept Jesus as my Savior. The best I know how, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I receive his payment for my sins and accept your forgiveness and your eternal life. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you just prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, with nobody else looking around, just me, if you just prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, would you just raise your hand and look up at me for a moment? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see the hand back there. Yes, over there. Yes, up here, I see that hand. Others, you can put your hands down. Others want to raise your hand now? Yes, I see that hand there. Good, anybody else? Yes. Father, thank you so much for these who have raised their hands to say they prayed today to receive your son as savior. I pray, Father, that you'll make this very real in their hearts and minds, that they have now received Jesus, that their sins have been paid for completely. They are now completely forgiven and that they will go to heaven when this life is over and and that you have moved inside of them to help them uh, learn to live like Christians, the kind of Christians that you want them to be and that they want to be. I pray, Lord, you make this very, very real to them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, so look up here with me, if you would, for just a moment. Uh, if you just prayed to receive Christ as Savior, there's a couple of passages of Scripture I want to share with you. And, and can you put those up there? Yeah, first one, he says that you who believe may know you have eternal life. You can know it, okay? Okay. Uh, it's because God tells you the truth. And he says, if you receive Christ as Savior, he forgives every sin. He gives you eternal life, and he comes to live within you to begin helping you to grow and change. Uh, in the Gospel of John, it says that they, people who receive Christ, they will never be condemned for their sin. But they have what? Can you go back to that slide for me? But they have what? Already passed from death into life. That's good news, isn't it? Good news. Uh, so, let me encourage you. If you receive Christ as Savior today, or maybe you already have in the past, we want to help you. Okay, we want to get you on the path to knowing what it means to be a Christian and to living like a Christian. And so, what I'm going to ask you to do is, you prayed with me today to receive Christ as Savior, and, and hopefully you raised your hand, but even if you didn't, we're going to ask you to, to go uh, 
out here in the foyer afterwards, and there's a place out there that has that picture up there on the wall, the path. And because what we have for you, we want to give one more giveaway for those of you who receive Christ as Savior, uh, a little booklet that I've written. It's called Fresh Start. And it talks about the decision that you made today. And it talks about, well, what about baptism? What does that mean? It talks about how to pray and talk to God, how to read the Bible, how to live like a Christian, okay? And, and really good. So we'd ask you, go out there. They'll give this to you. And then... Um, uh, we'll talk to you about some things and opportunities that are available to you as well. So please, if you prayed today to receive Christ as Savior, stop by. We want to give you this, okay? It'll be very helpful to you. Well, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. By the way, uh, Life Source Church family, it was at least six who received Christ as Savior today. At least six. And so that means that their sins are now forgiven, all of them, all of them forever. They now, when this life is over, they have eternal life. They go on to live in heaven with the Lord. And God himself has moved in. And he's going to begin working from the inside out to make good changes in their lives. So thank you again for coming. Um, you should have, if you are a guest here today, first thank you for Life Source Family. We privileged to have our guests with us, yes. If, if you're here today and you're a guest, you should have received a gift card when you came into either Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks at that uh, welcome desk out there. If you did not get that, be sure to go by the welcome desk, okay? And Mike, can you make sure, did we give those out today on the way in? Okay, so just be close and, and we'll make sure that you get that, okay? Thank you so much. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>